Welcome back to episode number 127 of the Dust Safety Science Podcast. This is the podcast where we're building a global community around process safety and industries handling combustible dust. I'm your host, Dr. Chris Cloney. In today's episode, we have on the call Tanya Ford, Executive Director at the United Support and Memorial for Workplace Fatalities. And we're talking about current and future projects with USMWF. So as I mentioned, Tanya is the Executive Director at USMWF. Last week on the podcast, we had Tammy Spivey on, talking about the history of USMWF. And today I want to get uh, Tanya on to talk about the current and future projects. So Tanya, thank you for coming on the podcast. We, we appreciate you coming on to share your, your information today. Thank you very much for having me. So we're going to talk a bit about how Tanya got involved with USMWF. As I mentioned, we talked through the history, how the organization was built out of some personal tragedy that, that Tammy had gone through when her brother Sean Boone had died from a combustible dust explosion in 2003, combined with the challenges and difficulties she had as being a family member affected by a workplace fatality. So things like finding information, things like paperwork for workers' compensation and, and OSHA investigations and you know dealing with grief on, on all kinds of different levels. Now different people are dealing, you know, deal with that in different ways. And just the whole, I guess, combined effort of support that's needed for somebody when the sort of tragedy strikes, how that was sort of the crux and some of the challenge that came into SMWF for the history side of it. And then today I want to really talk with Tanya about, again, how she got involved, but then also what are the current projects and initiatives being taken by the organization and any sort of trainings they have and any, anything that they're doing as an organization that would be interesting for the audience. And I want to close out with just asking kind of simply and, and, I don't know if it's selfish or unselfish, but any recommendations for for me and how we can help with dust safety science and the work we're doing with combustible dust as well. So that's what we'll be covering in this episode. Tanya, last week we we talked quite a bit about the history of USMWF. How did you become involved with the organization, if you don't mind sharing? Yeah, no, no worries. I became very active with USMWF right away after the loss of my uncle Bobby, Robert Fitch. Um, he worked at an Archer Daniel Midland company here in Lincoln, Nebraska for over 30 years. And on January 29th, it is believed that he stepped onto a belt operated man lift device after he had informed his coworkers um, that he was going to break over his radio. At that time, Again, we believe that he stepped onto the man lift device and fell hitting the air duct unit that connects to the building, at which time it's our understanding that he slipped off of that, landed on the floor below him, but then somehow was pushed through the manhole again or at another level of the manhole and fell an additional 40 feet where he was then bouncing from wall to wall and landed at the cement ground below. Uh, my dad worked beside him and actually came to the man lift, noticed that it was running and thought, okay, obviously this is not good because they are supposed to be stopped between each transit. And so um, he stepped onto it and on the second floor, he saw my uncle's glasses, safety glasses. And then I can remember him telling me how how very slow that ride was to get down because he still needed to go down the man floor or the manhole again. And once he got through that, he could see my uncle down at the bottom laying there. He tried CPR, yelled for help, but unfortunately he knew he was gone at that point and had to tell and the family what had happened, meaning 
my mom was his brother. So it was hard to tell my dad for him to tell his wife what had happened. Um, through all the in, of finding out what happened and being affected by a work-related incident, I can remember going to the hospital and having so many questions. And the news media actually released the incident before we were able to tell my uncle's son that day. And I was furious about that. And I couldn't figure out why they didn't give us the time to respectfully tell um, his son what had happened that day. And I can remember reading through all the articles going, okay, who else has brought this to the attention to the public? And I came across a comment and it happened to be USMWF, a member from there that had reached out saying that we're not alone and we're here to offer support, guidance and resources. And I immediately, one of the family was like, okay, let me find out a little bit more about the organization. And from that point forward, I became very active to be the voice for not only our family, but for all family member victims of USMWF. Thank you for sharing that. And if there's a common theme that I've heard from talking with you and Tammy over the last number of weeks since I've sort of got to know the United Support and, and Memorial for Workplace Fatalities is sort of the the strength from which you you both approach this mission of at USMWF and how that really is born out of you know something that is really unbelievable doesn't do us justice because you you kind of have to live through it but before it happens it's unbelievable I'm sure to many of us to understand and appreciate what happens at a, a workplace fatality like that so I, I want to say you know thank you for coming on the the, the podcast today and sharing that story and, and I said um, thank you extensively to Tammy last week as well. I guess a couple things on the like the immediate aftermath in terms of the challenges. So you, you mentioned the news media as being a, a big one and that information coming out before, uh, unfortunately, before I think it was Bob's son was able to be relayed the news and difficulty finding information. And then you connect with USMWF um, through through looking for information. What other kind of challenges do families have and even maybe you yourself had when when tragedy strikes like this? Like what are some of the things that commonly come up time and time again that people are struggling with? A lot of the time um, families are struggling with just knowing the last moments of their loved one's life. Anything from what happened, who was with him or her, to even to, did they say anything? Um, That is a lot of the questions we have in regards to what happened. And it's important to know that grief is so different for everybody. And it's a roller coaster ride. And the thing that we have found out is even if you're in the same family, you're going to have a different way of grieving your loss and your loved one. And that's okay. And it's very important for the families to know that that is okay. Everybody grieves differently. There's no right or wrong way to grieve. And through that, it's a roller coaster. So there may be times where you're angry and you want to know, questions in regards to why did this happen? Who's at fault? The who, the what, the when, the where. And then later it may be just the fact is I want to know what my loved one's last words were. So it's very important when families come to us that we know where to guide them. And it's kind of like a whole puzzle. I like to describe it as the OSHA investigation would be one piece that would help us answer some of the questions the local police and fire um, and rescue would be another 
incident report that we would help them get to be the other piece to it. And then if there's a union that we connect them to, other individuals that may have been there at the time, if we can connect them to them as well, that's where we want to help them put the whole puzzle together so they can see and and know exactly, if not exactly, close to what happened that day. And and that's important to many of the families because we know we can't bring them back. We want to know what happened and how maybe can their voice be the the voice to change in the future. It's really inspiring to see how you've kind of laid it out. And I can imagine it's extremely complex and just like a puzzle, like you said, you have the different elements. Having someone to help in that time is probably the like the thing that the thing that helps the most, right? Like somebody's not going to know any of that if if you're not going to know the day that you lose a loved one that that's the day. So you're not going to be ready to find OSHA reports and fire and response investigations and that that does. So that's really the role that USMWF plays in in those instances of tragedy. I, I would think anyway from the outside looking in. It's just even having that list and what the pieces of the puzzle are together, I can imagine is extremely helpful for the families. Exactly. You don't. I often say you don't know what it's like until you stand in our shoes, because like you said, it's very unexpected, tragic loss. And just a few days prior, you could have been sitting there with your loved one having a full conversation, thinking about, okay, what are we going to do over the next week? Well, guess what? Unfortunately, you don't get that opportunity and your life is turned upside down and you go from what you consider a normal life to trying to find the answers and unfortunately burying your loved one. And so we, we hope we can help people through, through all of it at a stage that is convenient and at a stage that they need. Some of our audience will be regulators, even consultants, and and, and users. Like we have lots of health and safety team members from companies that would be globally around the world. But for those ones that are here in the the U.S., it would be really helpful for when something does happen to understand what kind of resources that you would have available for them. So we talked about some of them just reaching out and, and getting it, you know, an idea what kind of information the loved ones might need, but what other kind of resource do you have for, for folks when, when tragedy strikes that, that might be helpful t- for them? And uh, just for this podcast episode, I'm hoping to get that information out there to make it more available so people know how you can help them. Oh, definitely. Um, one thing that comes to mind right off the bat, and we're trying to get more attention to it, is that we actually on our website have a family resource, which it's a guide to if you just if you just lost a loved one, these are kind of it's kind of a checklist I would say in regards to contact workers' compensation. If you, if he was he or she was a veteran, how to contact the the VA in regards to your loss, Social Security. I mean, it was a list that we created together as family members that have all been through it, and they and they all collected and said, hey, this is this is something I didn't know. I had to do after a loss. And it was kind of a little direction checklist that we created that hopefully will help people if if they find us immediately after their loss. And it's just something that we think will help them and guide them. But then after the step of you know, mourning and, and doing what you need to do, I like to say in the back end of things, and you're able to sit back and 
and stop and think about everything that you've gone through, then unfortunately you go from shock to grief. Then it's the time where you have all those questions that we hope that we can be the resource to guide you. Like I said, with the the finding the puzzle pieces to your story. And and that's our, our goal with trying to connect with families to kind of have that, create that checklist for them to not miss anything when they need it. And Tammy mentioned, I mean, we, the show notes for this podcast episode at dustsavyscience.com slash 127. We'll have links to USMWF and the Facebook page. But Tammy did mention last week's podcast that you do have things like a private Facebook group for family members that have had uh, brothers and sisters and mothers and fathers uh, fatally injured at, at work. I can imagine just having someone to talk to that's been through this, yourself included, um, would be immensely valuable for those folks at a certain stage of that grief process. Definitely. Yeah, we do have our private Facebook page that is allows families just to go to and ask the questions they need. And sometimes I use it as a platform to, and I know this may sound odd, but what are the good things that have happened to this week? You know, let's think of the little things that bring you, bring you happiness and bring you a smile to kind of step out of where you are with the grief maybe and realize that there's so much out there too, to be happy about. And so we use it as a a platform to be able to connect for good times, bad times, all times. And we cheer people on when something great, like a grandchild is born and, and the excitement of everything around them. So we were there for each other, offering them support. Yeah. It's important to, again, it's, when I, I mentioned this last week, but when I first heard about this organization and the important work that you're doing, it, it, and, and then even before I knew about the history with combustible dust, it's like, okay, well, I want to help spread the mission. I want to help spread the tools. And then once I realized the connection with combustible dust as well, it even overlapped a lot more with what we're doing. So happy to get that information out there. I guess, what are some of the projects that the organization are working on today that can help workers and families just kind of walk us through, I guess, what things are you you guys doing at the the moment? Well, it's a very, very busy time of year. I'll be honest with you. A few of the projects that we have right now is workers Memorial day. That's April 28th is the actual date of recognition. And, but on April 25th, we will be, which is a Sunday, we will be hosting our second national workers Memorial day ceremony virtually where we come together and we honor and recognize and remember our fallen workers throughout the nation. And we definitely are encouraging any families to send a photograph of their loved one and information as we really want to share it in our memorial video. And last year we were proud that over 2000 viewers joined and watched the the event and the ceremony. And we hope this year it'll bring even more. Um, Sadly, the effects that we've had with the pandemic, a lot of our frontline essential and healthcare workers have been affected as well this year. So we're, we're hoping that we can connect with families through that and continue to offer them support through this time. We also are having a Workers Memorial Day ceremony on April 28th, and those will be in at a virtual ceremony in Kentucky. But we're having one in person in Nebraska, which will be our 12th anniversary of Workers Memorial Day, I believe it is already. So we have that, but also something that we do on around Workers Memorial Day each year is we have our Strive for Workplace Safety Awareness Conference, where we've reached out to experts in regards to important safety topics that are plaguing our nation. 
And we asked them to join us um, on April 28th from 9 a.m. to 4 p.m. Central Standard Time. And we go over important topics such as this year, our topics will be OSHA, combustible dust, forklift safety, and distracted driving, which is one that we've been asked if we could do over and over for the last couple of years. So we were able to get that in this year. That is going to be virtual this year. So the more, the, the better. We definitely want to have a lot of people join us. The good thing is it's free. That's one thing that because of the kind donation of many, we're able to offer this for free to the public. And that has always been a concern of ours because many times after work incident, we hear that it was lack of training issues. So I never want finances or time to be an issue in regards to educating and preventing workplace incidences. So that's why we've really worked hard to make this free every year. We are always assisting family members to write testimonies and write their local senators and their state regarding workers' compensation bills that are currently being introduced. Right now, example would be in New Jersey. There's a bill out there that would increase the uh, workers' compensation burial benefit from $3,000 to $5,000. Honestly, this is still a very far cry from what the average burial expense is in New Jersey or probably nationally, to be honest with you but it's one step closer to where we need to be. Another important thing that we're working on right now is proclamations. We help families actually write proclamation requests to send to their governor to recognize Workers Memorial Day. And we also participate in other proclamations, but that's one we're doing right now. And then we are obviously always, always looking. I mean, we do extensive research to connect with the next of kins of our fallen workers. And this time is a very busy time because we all, we want to make sure we get the invites out to our workers Memorial day event. So we are really trying to connect with the families across the United States right now. And then once we get their information, we include it into our database and we actually have two databases, one for fallen workers information where we collect information from their birth, the lost date, what happened to them, where where were they living and where were they working? Because sometimes that is different. And of course, um, a little bit about the occupation and industry in which they worked in. Um, we, have, we have so much going on. Another thing that's very important to us right now is the University of, we are working with the University of Kentucky's um, research team in regards to knowing and understanding firsthand the devastation one goes through after a tragic unexpected loss, such as a work-related incident, illness, and disease. And we've created a survey that we're asking families that have been affected by work incidences to please um, complete, because that can help us in the future truly make a difference and show the impact it has on family members, not just when it happens, but even years down the line, how how one is affected after such a loss. And then we have many campaigns, everything from our Beat the Heat campaign, where we distribute water in summertime and flyers with information regarding heat hazards. And a few over the last couple of years, we've been able to distribute 2,000 bottles of waters. So we're, we're hoping that we can continue our Beat the Heat campaign. And of course, our billboard campaign, where we're highlighting and recognizing our fallen workers. We're trying to get those around um, United States and during Workers Memorial Day during the month of April so we can recognize and gain attention to that. So we're just continuing to reach our mission, continuing to make a difference and turn many um, tragic incidences into something 
positive and help families do that. So we've, we've been very busy lately. Yeah. And I can, I can tell, I do want to say, so this, this episode of the podcast will come out May 11th. So people will have just missed the, the virtual event, but is there, is there a place to see the recordings or anything like that? Is there some way that they can still get involved if they're, they're hearing this for the first time now and they want to go back and, and, and find more information? Definitely. We will have it broadcasted live on Facebook. So the video will remain up there and that is on our main Facebook page. And you can access all of the training events on our website, uh, usmwf.org. And so we have all the educational website or um, training events posted there. And then we'll also have a link to our Facebook page where you can watch the video of our Workers Memorial Day events. Okay, great. So the the website is usmwf.org. And I think the Facebook page is facebook.com slash usmwf. Does that sound right? That is right. Excellent. You mentioned a lot of projects and it's hard. So there must be like a team of 20 people that are doing this, right? <laughs> <laughs> I say that tongue in cheek. I know uh, it's a small a small team, but that's a, that's a lot of work that, that you guys are doing. It's very impressive to see the drive and how much effort you're putting into this really important you know, topic. It, it means it truly means a lot to us to help families to make a difference and prevent other families from going through what everybody that we connected with is going through. Um, we all know it's preventable, so we have to do our part in it too. And you mentioned training, so that's how sort of we got connected. Is you would reach out to me on combustible dust training, and I was all set to do it, and then I, I looked at the calendar and realized that that's within a a, a week of the the birth of our of our daughter. So I thought maybe that wasn't a, a time where my head was going to be in providing the training needed. So we tried to connect you through with some other folks that will be able to provide that. I'm happy to hear that's still on the agenda for for your Strive for Workplace Safety Awareness Conference. Was that the name of it? Strive for Workplace Safety? Yeah, that is correct. So the reason I'm asking this question is, the question is what kind of training have you identified as being key drivers for reducing workplace fatalities? But the reason is we have folks listening to this podcast globally around the world, 200 to 300, they'll be listening to this specific episode or, or more. And I can imagine that their sole role is not combustible dust. Some of them would be, most of them will have other roles as well. And I can imagine some of those are in different areas. So one thing that would be a great result of this podcast is for somebody to reach out to Tanya and say, hey, I'd love to help with providing training, or I'd love to know what kind of training you have for such and such a group. So we know combustible dust is one of them, but what other types of training have you seen that are really key drivers and things that you're looking to get out to the, the broader community or to, to get uh, volunteers to help you do training with? Well, thank you um, for all your help and connecting, being the connector for us as it truly means a lot. So our training is we have a monthly training that will be starting and we're doing anything from COVID-19 updates to forklift, confined space, lockout, tag out, um, lessons learned, and many more. I mean, what we do is we research and find out, okay, what are the issues plaguing our nation right now? And how can we create a training event? And our training events are only one hour long. I know that's not even enough to get, make it, I don't want to say make a difference because you do want to make a difference, but even enough to say, yes, I'm totally certified because it is a step to the next part of being educated on it. And we truly hope through our training, we like to share our family accounts and lessons learned. So it tells you basically 
the after effect and sadly of how it's affected us and why we want to prevent it from happening again and why this being educated on this issue is so very important because many times I've, I've heard it many, many times. And sadly, I am probably one of those people that will drive across town to go somewhere and see, see an unsafe workplace or a worker out, out and about doing something that I'm like, Oh my gosh. And many times I have stopped and I have told my story and I have said, this is what we do. And this is why we don't want this to happen to you. And many times I will sit here and I'll hear the, the one that I'm just amazed with, oh, I've been doing it this way for so long, nothing's going to happen to me. And But the thing is, nobody believes it can happen to them until they see or gain a connection between what they do each day at work and or a connection with their personal life. And many don't understand it can happen to them. And maybe so far they have been, let's just say it, lucky. Something that comes to mind, and I don't mean to like go off the training that much, but why I find it so important is I have two children. I have a 20-year-old and an 18-year-old. And when my son entered the workforce five years ago, there's been issues that he's literally came up to me about. Concerns that he would never have thought about until he heard our family members' stories because my kids have always, ever since they were little, have joined on Workers' Memorial Day where families will share what happened to them. And they, you don't think they're always listening, but let me tell you, they are definitely listening to what people say because my son who worked at a warehouse actually was told to drive a forklift without being trained on it, get on a lift and try to reach over the exceeded lift height to grab boxes. And he finally said, you know what? I've never been trained. I'm not doing this. I've heard of the consequences that happens. I've heard of people dying from forklifts. And he, he literally brought up two fallen workers, one by the name of Ryan Hitchler, who was fatally injured when he fell from a lift here in Nebraska. But then Yvonne Shrells, who was fatally injured from a forklift incident um, in Ohio. And he remembered their stories. He remembered the family speaking about it. and he he felt what they had to say and remembered that. And, and I'm thankful because just today, as I'm searching for family members um, of our fallen workers, there was a 16 year old. I'm sending a letter to a mom and a dad of a 16 year old who was driving a forklift and lost control and died. And I just, it shows how powerful the stories can capture and how we can connect them with the training to truly make a difference of the importance of following the safety guidelines, following the safety procedures, and what everybody can do and what their part is to make every workplace safer. Yeah, thank you so much for for sharing that. I mean, that's it's a bit gut-wrenching, but I mean, that's the point, right? Yeah. <laughs> Unfortunately. And a lot of our listeners will have children, you know, teenagers or or otherwise um, and and nobody wants to get that call nobody wants to be there or or have to have to go through that um, and nobody believes that they will before it happens either like nobody wakes up in the day and the, if, if the worker thought it was going to happen then they wouldn't have went to work that day right exactly <laughs> so, so a lot of times in instant reports and and when we look at numbers we can blame the wrong 
things. So yeah, thank you for going through that. Thank you for sharing the kind of training and things that you're looking for and the type of activities too that you do, because it's important to hear that through from sharing a personal story to you know our, our sons and daughters through to identifying what's actually causing the loss. I mean, those are, you didn't list those as projects, but those other things that you're doing in order to um, connect with others and, or to help others and, and go more towards the USMWF uh, mission that you're, you're working towards. I guess the kind of come around to closing up today's interview, how can listeners best support your work today? What kind of things can they do to, to help with your work moving forward? We look for assistance in multiple ways. And one is to help us connect with our target audience, allowing our family member victims to share their loved one's incidents and how their life has forever been affected to prevent similar incidences from occurring. We are always looking for partners to assist us in becoming the voice of workplace safety in their industry. Also, please share our name, share with your family, your friends and your coworkers and your partners and share our mission as I think we truly together can make a difference and help us connect with many in all industries. And of course, something that we all hate, and I'll be honest, this is the worst part of my job, is the financial assistance to continue our efforts as no family should feel alone after their tragic loss. And we need to assist, we need the assistance to guide our family member victims in being heard, whether that be at the state or the federal level, and of course, helping them be the voice to change. Everybody's financial support will also assist us in developing our safety awareness conferences, which we have found are very, very important in educating the public at no cost to those that are attending um, to prevent work-related incidences. So we all know that going to work should not be a grave mistake, and I think truly together we can make a difference. Yeah, and I, I mean, I would, I would second the multiple ways of support, connecting with families, you know, sharing USMWF partnerships, and then the financial assistance as well. And you can go to USMWF.org, and I think there's a button there for donate. I'm not sure that's what the button's called, but you should be able to find where pretty quickly where you can financially support. Um, and I would encourage, I mean, individual supports one way, but I would encourage uh, businesses that are listening to this or you're listening to this and you're a manager or executive or a team lead in your business and you you resonate with this mission of of helping both the aftermath of a, a, a tragic workplace incident and and you know the family member victims supporting them but also the preventive part doing the training and that i would encourage you to consider talking to your company and seeing if they'd be involved as well either with donation or training or volunteering time or whatever form that that may may best take as well I'm going to kind of be a, a bit selfish in that I want to ask how you think the safety science or the podcast or the work that we're doing kind of help with this. Cause it's been a big, well, it's, it's actually a personal struggle. I mentioned this on last week's podcast interview with Tammy. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a scientist. <laughs> I'm a, I'm closer to a physicist than I am an engineer. Uh, so I study combustion. I like physics and chemistry and data and analysis and we have a database where we crunch all the numbers for pieces of equipment involved and fatalities and industries and the team has been looking at for the last two years saying we need to talk more about the families talk more about the stories because the data that we're sharing just isn't getting through so this podcast interview and other ones like it that we've done 
recently are, are a step in that direction. So those are recommendations coming in from our team. Um, but I'd just be, yeah, I'd just be curious how do you think maybe our work can help. The second thing I'll say is that one of the parts that we're missing right now is that support piece. So we have equipment providers, consultants, companies that when they have a workplace tragedy, aren't going to know where to go. So connecting with USMWF is a great tool for us just to say, hey, Tanya and, and her team and Tammy are really the, the folks to go to, to to get the pieces of that puzzle sorted out. So that's really helpful. But uh, yeah, in terms of other things that we're doing, do you have any recommendations for us that we could help further support the, the families and the communities that are suffering loss? Well, you know, that is a great question. So I'm glad you actually did ask that because something that we have learned is that prevention is the key. And we will, we feel like you and those that you partner with are and will truly make a difference by what you're doing already by hosting events and educational events like you had a few weeks ago already. Our goal together would be to prevent work incidences from occurring. Obviously, we want to be the prevention. We want to stop them from occurring. And we call them incidences because they are not accidents. They were and are preventable. And educating your target audience in combustible dust safety concerns and issue plaguing the industry is obviously step one. So obviously keep that up. You're doing great on that. How you all can continue to support families affected by dust explosions is to help educate, prevent similar incidences from occurring and help us as USMWF family members become the voice and assist their loved one's story to become the next conversation at your events, highlighting the faces of our fallen workers and the reason why workplace safety is so very important. We want to be the next conversation at the dinner table. We want to create that connection. And, and I think you can truly help USMWF. And in return, we can help you and be the voice to change and, and really, truly make a difference. And I think we can be the connection between work incidents, safety, and of course, USMWF. Yeah, and I, I appreciate that so much. And I, I would say if somebody's like wondering, because we just ran our dust safety conference, uh, I would have devoted a whole day to the family. It was really a timing thing. We, I gave my keynote Monday morning and I had a phone call with Tammy Friday afternoon beforehand and said, it was the first time I ever talked to Tammy. And that was a, a week ago. And we just did our podcast interview earlier today. And I said, Tammy, I, I like, I wish this, I wish this relationship had started, you know, a couple weeks earlier so we could have really gotten this into the conference. But do you mind if I just share your story? As I know there's so many more that need to be told, but, <laughs> and so it was just, it was like timing that, that we had just connected right before our event and, and getting things into, into what was already hectic 52 presentations or whatever it was. Um, but this is just a start. I think it's, like I said, when I heard when you reached out, it was the light bulb went off that one, we can totally support the training efforts. Um, we have the the network of experts in combustible dust, but also in, in a lot of other industries to be able to do that. But two, just the mission that that you you all have and and our mission is to see one year with zero fatalities worldwide by 2038. We built the incident database to track. <laughs> That's like our measuring stick. How are we making progress on that? Um, and then we identify projects and, and tackle them that are causing the, the largest loss. So there's complete overlap really with the, the missions. And we do that through prevention. We do that through protection on the other side as well. So I saw the complete overlap, but the skill sets are totally different. We are, at least myself, you know, engineering and science. And I would say you're probably a P2 
people person, if I had to guess, maybe <laughs> <laughs> at least more than me. We'll put it that way. <laughs> um, so we, we 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 need some help in that avenue, which is a lot where, I mean, that's a lot where I see M- USMWF helping and, and supporting us moving forward. So all that is to say, thank you, and and I'm looking forward to what what we can do together moving forward. Well, thank you very much for the opportunity today to speak out and and connect with others because I truly believe we can make a difference together and. And hopefully we can we can get that goal of uh, was it twenty thirty eight you said yeah twenty thirty eight see yeah, a year so globally with zero fatalities that would be great we have the odd well, anyway the, another podcast episode we have the odd year here or there where there's none in the U S or at least none that we've captured I question whether or not we're capturing everything or not or things that are being misreported. Yeah, there's 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 a lot into that, but we built the measuring stick. We're measuring it now, and, and we have not been successful so far. But we still got another another twenty years to go to figure it out. Tanya, I want to say thank you for coming on the podcast. Thank you for Tammy for coming on last week. Um, as I I said, I think this is really a start of a you know a really good relationship or partnership or whatever it's going to end up being with uh, the Unite Support and Memorial Workplace Fatalities. And if none of that comes to fruition, I would encourage anyone listening to this podcast episode, regardless to go to usmwf.org to view their faces campaign to learn about these stories of folks that are you know family member victims that are uh, suffering through this if you're suffering through this if you've either had a direct family member that's been involved or if you've been on site when a catastrophic incident has happened somebody else has been seriously injured there's a lot of post-traumatic stress that can just come out of that the first place i'd point you is at usmwf so i'd say go there and reach out to Tanya and, and connect with them to, to get help. If you are available to give these sort of trainings that we've been talking about, uh, that's another thing you should really reach out to Tanya. And if you're interested in any of the products that they have going on, um, definitely go check out their their website there and their Facebook page as well. So Tanya, I want to say thank you for coming on the podcast. I look forward to the chance to get you back on the podcast in the future to maybe talk through some more of these training and some more of the observations that you have about how we can help with uh, with your your mission moving forward as well. Thank you again for, for your time and, and all that you do. So I appreciate it. And if you need anything, please don't hesitate to let us know. Thanks, Tanya. I'm sure we'll be talking soon. Thank you. So you've been listening to myself, Dr. Chris Cloney and Tanya Ford, Executive Director at USMWF, the United Support and Memorial for Workplace Fatalities. Last week on the podcast, we talked through the history of USMWF with Tammy Spivey. And today we were talking through current and future projects with the organization with uh, Tanya Ford, who is the executive director there. We talked about how Tanya became involved with the organization. And as is uh, seems to be a common theme with those that are involved in the organization, it was through personal loss. She unfortunately lost uh, her uncle, I think it was, at a, a grain milling or a grain handling operation through a, a fall from height uh, incident. And unfortunately, his, I guess it would be stepbrother was on site as well, uh, which would be her father. And um, he was there to, to find the body. And tremendously tragic and and even devastating to hear from the group uh, at USMWF. But this is the real impact of workplace injuries and the real impact on the victims and the family member victims and the communities. And this is a real reason why we do with what we're doing with Dust Safety Science and Dust Safety Academy and Dust Safety Professionals is to prevent things like this from happening. We talk through some of the challenges that 
family members have um, in terms of getting information, in terms of dealing with different grief with different people and in different stages, getting the the facts and the information of what happened, dealing with things like workers' compensation and, and otherwise. We talked through some of the resources that USMWF has, um, including you know the different pieces of the the puzzle after something like this happens. Tanya mentioned a, a family resource checklist that can really help people through this stage. And then we talked through a number of projects and actually ran out of room in my piece of paper. But a lot of work around Workers Memorial Day, which is, I'll say, coming up, um, coming up April 28th when we're recording. Unfortunately, this episode will go live after that date. But if you go to their website or their Facebook page, you can find all the information from their their virtual events there. Talked about their lighter reading campaigns, proclamation requests, working with the University of Kentucky on research project on the impact of this on on family members and communities as well. Uh, mini campaigns on things like Beat the Heat and Bill War campaigns and training. We talked about the time training they're doing. So they have this event that they run every year, which is the Strive for Workplace Safety um, Awareness Conference. But then they also do mini trainings and they're looking to do these monthly on different topics around workplace safety. These are meant to be free, meant to be available and distributed en masse to as many uh, workers as possible. And they're looking for volunteers to give these training. So if you have experience in any of these areas that you mentioned or any that we didn't mention that you think are important, reach out to Tanya. We'll have a way to contact her in the show notes at dustsafetyscience.com slash 127. Reach out to her and, and volunteer your time if you're able. And also there's ways to support them financially and other ways to support them as a, a group and organization as well at their website, which is usmwf.org. We just closed out this episode by talking about ways that Tanya thinks that we can help. I mean, I would say this community at uh, Safety Science and through the podcast and the work that we're doing is really putting together a lot of the companies that are involved, a lot of the end users that are involved, a lot of the equipment and OEM and suppliers and consultants in one space. And I truly think that together with having, I, we're up over 750, 800 people in the Dust Safety Academy now, with having these communities put together, we can really tackle some of these issues better as a, as a large community and more completely as a large community as well. So I'm hoping that we can support things like USMWF and, and other projects moving forward more deeply as well. So we'll close out the episode there for today. I, again, I want to say thank you for listening to the podcast. I hope you have a safe and productive week ahead and I appreciate everything you do in industries handling combustible dust, making them safer for both workers, but also their families and their communities um, every day with the work that you do. 